and welcome to the Aftershock post-game show. My name is Alex Morgan. I'm here with Jamin Moore live after the San Jose Earthquakes 4-1 defeat to the Houston Dynamo. I think this was the longest San Jose Earthquakes match ever. Is that right, Jamin? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not. I, I would have to wait for some official word from the team that that's the case. Uh, probably at least in the modern era. I don't remember a rain delay like that. Um, certainly gave the Quakes an opportunity to come back out and start firing on all cylinders, and they instead laid an egg. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The, the game started at 5.30, went until about an, an early kickoff because it was in Houston on Central Time, went until about, what was it, 6.30, and then we, we didn't get uh, started again toward, uh, till 9.15. The Quakes were down two to one before the stoppage ended four to one. They were not able to put on a show. They weren't able to game plan for those last 20 minutes, Jamin. I was expecting them. We were talking on the watch along show that we did. I was expecting them to come out with energy, with intensity, but it just felt like the, the Houston weather, the storm sapped all of that out of them. It felt like by the halftime, they were already tired and they never recovered that energy. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? Or was yeah. I tired after the hour and a half rain delay? Well, you, you know, you and I were trying to do a show and, you know, we were, we've, we've already done a show and now we're going to do another show. So I think you and I deserve a little bit to be tired tonight, but yeah, the, 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 it, it's, it's weird because you're, you're playing in a hundred and plus degree temperatures down on the field at the start of this game. Obviously the quakes were trying to play kind of a slow game trying to pull out the dynamo so they could kind of play, you know, and, and kind of try to control the pace of the game, completely backfired on them. You know, Tanner Beeson with a very poor decision to pass the ball across the box. I mean, there's a tap in, we're talking just a couple of minutes into the game here. And then they just get caught kind of standing around on a set piece and the dynamo just take off up the pitch, completely bypass the midfield. I th thought it was a really good strategy from them to, to by completely bypass the Quakes midfield as often as possible and just play down the sides. And the Quakes got caught, you know, forward a little bit. And, uh, you know, Dynamo were off to the races for a second goals. And then when they came back out of the break, it felt like the Earthquakes were kind of, I don't know, like just expecting that the ball is going to eventually come to them or whatever. But they were so far spread apart on these two goals that there was just acres of space for the Dynamo to find simple passes and, you know, simple cutbacks to be able to play to the far post. And, you know, four goals, you know, poor Daniel, he didn't have a chance on any of the four goals tonight because they gave so much space to the uh, the shooters to be able to take these shots. They were just, you know, taking pot shots at that point. I know. And that's probably the, the, the biggest bummer out of all of this, Jamin, is that, you know, the Quakes – They'd lost the game in, in the first half. You know, they never recovered their energy. But, but Danielle still had his, his defensive record intact. He doesn't have his defensive record intact. He was leading the league in save percentages, in goals allowed per 90 minutes. In all of the defensive statistics for the last seven games, Danielle has been phenomenal. I feel like he's got to be at the, the bottom of those stats now in, in, in the course of one game. No, it won't. It won't change that much. Uh, he'll still be. He'll still be close to a seventy-eight or something save percentage. He's faced enough shots. He's actually already five goals above the pace. 
So all it's going to do is, is potentially knock them down. And it won't be four goals because the XG tonight was high enough that the Dynamo should have scored in a lot of those situations. The, the you know, we'll double check what the XG was um, if uh, you might beat me there, but I bet you their XG is above three. Um, and so, it, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do just fine on terms of the XG. So most, a lot of that won't count against Daniel because um, again, these were simple wide open shots in most cases that Jamin, we just had no pressure to the ball. Jamin, the XG, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's not pretty looking for the San Jose earthquakes. It's, it's pretty grim that Houston Dynamo had 3.2 XG earthquakes right. had 0.7. They did not have any XG after the, the, what is this? The, the 45th minute. Oh, or maybe the stats are wrong because it's counted. The game as being 240 minutes long. <laughs> the, the XG counter did not update. Uh, the XG the accum- accumulated throughout the rain delay. No, no, it, it, I think it's still pretty accurate. Uh, that sounds about right to me. I mean, 3.19 on the expected goals. Um, you know, we'll have to check how much of that is counted in the post shot expected goals, but it's quite a bit of it. Um, again, you know, the quakes gave them, you know, very kind of simple, simple finishes, uh, there just wasn't enough pressure to the ball. There wasn't enough defensive pressure in the box tonight. You know, you, you have the first giveaway, which is, you know, obviously an error by Tanner Beeson, uh, but then him and Rodriguez, I think were at fault for the other three goals as well. They weren't one-offs. They weren't one-off errors. All three goals essentially happened in the same way. Houston getting in behind down the wing, putting balls in the box. And, and Tanner Beeson and Rodriguez didn't, didn't know where to be. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know whether to go pressure the ball. They didn't know whether to mark their men. They didn't know where their men were. They had no idea what they were doing. They were spinning around in circles, completely lost in the box. And it was really easy all three times for, for Houston to get on the end and put the ball in the back of the net. There was zero pressure on the ball. There was zero awareness of where the ball was going and they didn't read the play at all. And that's a problem that we've seen brewing. That's that's something we've seen coming. Tanner Beeson and Rodriguez have not been a rock-solid defensive partnership for these last few games, Jamin. This has been a problem, and Lucha Gonzalez paid for it tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, and, and I don't know how much of this is on Lucci because I just felt like the players didn't execute. I don't think necessarily the game plan – is the wrong game plan. And of course, whatever game plan you have partially gets thrown out the window when you give up a goal in the first two minutes, because your center backs are passing the ball across the box to the other team. The the Quakes thought they were playing St. Louis city, but that's on Saturday. You're not supposed to, you know, just pass the ball, you know, to the other team, unless you're playing against St. Louis city in this league. So, you know, that, that all of a sudden, you know, puts you in a situation of kind of being out of the game plan. And I don't know if the Quakes then it kind of expected the Dynamo to kind of sit back and be a little bit comfortable getting an early 1-0 cushion, but the Dynamo didn't play comfortably. It took until there there was a water break in the first half for the Quakes to even look like they got into the game after the water break, after Lucci was showing them stuff on the clipboard and being animated at them and pointing at his chest like, you got to have some heart, you got to like get in there and you got to fight. And they showed it for the first the rest of the first half, and they showed it for the first part up until the delay of the second half after the delay, I don't know what happened to this, but it all left. It was gone. There was none of this past 60 minutes. I don't think that's on Lucci. I think it's on the players tonight. But I think you are giving Lucci Gonzalez a lot of credit for a game plan that that 
was fantastically, catastrophically bad because he went into Houston. The, the Quakes went into Houston in 100-degree heat and tried to stretch the game, tried to press Houston, tried to, 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 to slow down they the game were- and make it large. That, that worked against them the entire time. The press didn't work for one minute in the first half, Jamie. And here's what the press consisted of in the first half. The press consisted of Nico Shakiris going on kamikaze runs. He was chasing the ball all the way to the goalkeeper, and all Houston Dynamo had to do was play to the center back, pass into the six, and then they're on a, on a breakaway. And then, you know, Judson uh, and uh, Jackson Ewell are, are having to recover in the midfield. They don't know whether to step forward up to the, the defensive midfielder or to drop back to cover. They don't know what to do. Then the entire midfield is blown apart. The entire defensive structure that, that Lucio Gonzalez really values is blown apart in the, you know, the, the space of, 10 seconds is all it takes for Houston Dynamo to get in behind, get the ball wide, and get in dangerous situations. It, that was a bad game plan. They should not have been pressing that way from the very beginning, Jamin. No, I don't, I don't think it was a problem at all with the press. I mean, you, you want to send a young guy because he's going to play 45 minutes from the get-go. By the way, I fully expect that it was going to be Shakira's 45 minutes, Montero 45 minutes, and that was the game plan from the very beginning. I completely expect that. Why else would you fly Montero all the way from Cape Verde? to Houston to just sit him on the bench? No. You, you, there's a plan here. You're going to you know, have Shakira start. You're going to have Montero come in. To send Shakiris, you know, after the goalkeeper, to pressure the goalkeeper to try to kick long, instead of sending Jeremy Abobasi, who's going to have to play 90-plus minutes, I think is uh, the right game plan. What I think is that the midfield didn't do their job in terms of the pressure. Like you said, they were able to play through their six and then play out quickly there was no pressure in the central midfield. That's why Lucci's pointing at his chest. They weren't executing. They weren't They weren't stepping and putting the pressure into the right places. Damn. They were giving Houston too much space to be able to do whatever they wanted to do. That's not on Lucci. That's on the players. Lucci was putting his players in an impossible situation. No, this is Nico Shakiris' second or third start in Major League Soccer. He, he, he barely he has exact his legs same thing under last him and, and you're asking him to start the press trigger. You're putting the press triggers on him and then asking him in a hundred degree heat to recover more than anyone else. In the game. He was gassed by 25 no, minutes because he was not what he's in an impossible situation. That's not what he's asking. Judson didn't execute and Yul didn't execute in their jobs in that scenario. Nico's doing exactly what he should do. You're, 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 you're putting the blame on the wrong, wrong player here. Nico was doing but, what he should do in triggering the press, but that worked badly in that then – it, it, it tired exactly him out. What, if you, if exactly, you watch the end of the first half there, Jamin, Nico Shakiris was essentially walking around the field and players were, were you know, gliding by him. He wasn't able to defend because he, he, he'd worn his legs out after 25 minutes. Christian's got it right. Judson was running around without a, without a plan today. He, he was not effective in this particular game. He does not bring from a pressure side in those particular situations. You know, he fouls. You know, that's what he does. He grabs shirt and he fouls, and he's, I think, the first Quakes to be suspended for yellow card accumulation because he will not be available against St. Louis City. Thank goodness right now because that was a shocker from him. Um, You know, and he's not the only one. Obviously, Tanner Beeson had a shocker tonight too. But what you're not getting is you didn't get pressure to the ball in the midfield when you want to press with your 10. The Quakes press with their 10 all the time. It literally is their standard press on the road to send Montero in that way and to have the other players press. But Judson did not do what Gruezzo does do in those situations. That was what the problem was. Okay, so then, then the question is, 
you know, at the weekend against St. Louis, you get Grezzo back in there, you get Jameer Montero starting most likely. Do these issues solve themselves? Are we, you know, talking about a moot point here? Is it simply personnel? You need to have Grezzo and Jameer in the lineup to make this work. Uh, I just think you have to have a different, probably a bit of a different plan. I think you're finding out, you know, what your limitations are with a player like Judson uh, instead of Gruezo and the game plan, you know, that you might've been able to get away with against teams that are not playing as well right now. You didn't get away with on the road against a team that has been excellent at home all season long. Let's make no mistake. The Houston Dynamo are one of the best home teams in the entire league folks in the entire league, two goals against them before tonight. The Quakes only made the third goal against them at home this year. So when you go down 2-1 on the road, you give them two goals, you've already lost the game because no one else has been able to, in, to come back you know, with that, with that type of, of game all year. You were going to get a 1-0 game at best. So that's part of what your problem is from the get-go. Is, is spotting them two goals early. Uh, the first one's a complete gift, right? Um, and to the Quakes' credit, they got back into a position where they could have done something with the game. They could have nicked a set piece here. You know, they could have uh, maybe gotten a transition in a situation here. You know, like for instance, uh, Abobasi had, uh, toward the end of the game, we were, we were doing our pre-aftershock show for anyone who missed it. Alex and I were just kind of having fun uh, during the end of the rain delay. And then we just kind of kept it going uh, through the atrocious end of the game. Um, but, uh, you know, instead of playing the simple ball to uh, Espinoza and sending Espinoza 1v1 with the keeper, you know, Abobasi tries to go all Pablo Ruiz and uh, try to chip the keeper from 60 yards out, you know, and, and that was the way that the game went. Like the wrong decisions and the wrong situations, you know, didn't play the right pass here didn't step to the defender here. It was individual mistakes Game all in. night long. And that's the first time since St. Louis that this quakes, the Quakes have been done in completely by individual mistakes in a game this, this Jamie, season since St. Louis. Jamie, you've got it You've got it all backwards. Jeremy Obobese knew that the only way to salvage the game at that point was if you put it top bins from 40 yards out. Yeah, I, I, agree, the, I appreciate what the fans were looking for in that situation. I, I appreciate that was not an error. That was a, a deliberate, intentional decision. I'm, I appreciate that you are playing to the uh, the fan who wants to see the, the Quakes uh, get a goal that's even better than Quincy Ameriquois chip in your lifetime. But uh, that was the wrong situation. To do. Okay, but but let's let's talk about the attack because we could you know we could we could harp on Tanner Beeson and, and Rodriguez and and the uh, you know the the defense all night tonight. But but going forward, they they really didn't cause many issues either. They. They were the, the midfield was invisible in the buildup as well, Jamin. They they felt disconnected. They weren't able to to move the ball forward to the middle. They weren't able to connect with the wide players. I can't remember Benji Akanovich touching the ball. You know, even a guy like Christian Espinosa, who was doing his hardest to get involved, he was dropping back. He was getting slammed every time he got the ball. They were not able to get him the ball in good situations. What was wrong with the buildup tonight? So, yeah, one of the, it, it's, a, it's a really good point because the Quakes have kind of found um, that teams are starting to understand how they're going to build out, what those build-out patterns are. And uh, they've come, kind of come up with a pretty good scheme over the last two to three games. And this has been one of the reasons that the Quakes have not been able to generate the chances that they were able to, to generate earlier in the year is because 
the build out has become a bit of a problem. So every time that they need to build out, they're pulling back Yule, they're pulling back, um, in this case, it would have been Shakiris a bit, um, but normally it's gonna be Montero. They're bringing them both back into the build out and they're very rarely feels like they're getting the opportunity to kind of play to the other central midfielder, you know, like we were saying that that Houston was able to do tonight with Herrera. The Quakes have not been able to find that kind of ball that allows them to really kind of play out and then be able to take advantage of numbers once they break a press. There's, It's been too often that the Quakes get kind of trapped in the corner and they don't know how to get out. You got to kick it off a guy's leg to get a throw in. And by then, you know, but by the time you actually work the ball up the field, you know, either through fouls or through, you know, throw-ins or whatever the case is, you know, the defense is already in place. You've got no chance to be able to try to, to break them down and be able to create the transition goals that are so important in a league like Major League Soccer. That has not been on. When's the last time the Quakes scored a transition goal this season? It, you know, I, I think Kate, Kate Cowell, Kate there were, you know, the way that they started against LAFC was good, or at least mm-hmm. the penalty that they drew and against LAFC, Kate Cowell, um, you know, created that opportunity back to a Bobasi um, at home. I believe that was the last game, right? The, the, in the, in the 2-1 win last weekend. So, but those opportunities have been few and far between in this stretch. And for me, one of their problems is in the way that they are building out is, is too slow. It's too predictable. The other teams know what the patterns are. They've already planned for it. They scheme their press around those types of patterns, and they take away the quick's ability to be able to get the advantage of breaking a press. I can I can tell you the pattern right now, Jamin. The, the ball that the San Jose Earthquakes use to break the press is direct balls into the wide players, either from the center back, Rodriguez, Tanner Beeson, or the fullback, direct into one of the wide players. You get a cutback. And then you switch it. But teams know that now. So they're double teaming Espinosa. They're double teaming Jeremy Obobese anytime they drop into the midfield. And then the Quakes have trouble playing vertically because we know that's that's exactly what Lucian Gonzalez meant when he joined the San Jose Earthquakes and he says, you know, he wants to play vertically. It's those balls. But the Quakes haven't thought about the next step. They haven't started making more runs in behind. They haven't start started to send, you know, Jameer Montero in behind. They haven't started, you know, creating enough movement in those spaces to really disrupt the opposition. They feel a little static in this moment. It, it, does that does that resonate with you, that that, that assessment? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that assessment. Um, and by the way, I'm not going to share any of the Tanner Beeson comments people are making. Um, and this is a really good comment for Ryan Grady. Corey hey, Marin scored Houston's second uh, goal tonight. He went to Stanford. And, uh, so guess what? It's not a Stanford issue, all guys. All we're not going to share the technical difficulties. Stuff on the show. Uh, we're having some right now as we're talking. So uh, for the time, we, we can just do audio, and we're only going to take two questions, uh, given the flight police said that we have to kind of face right now. So let's take two very quick questions. Uh, first one from Jamin, and then we'll go to Alex. Go ahead, Jamin. Unmuted. Hi, Lucci. It's Jamin. Um, obviously a tough game tonight. Uh, defensively, felt like the structure wasn't in place for three of those goals. Another goal that given up was was a gift. Um, what needs to be you know, tightened up before you face a dangerous team in St. Louis on, on Saturday? Thank you. Muted. Everything, everything. You know, we, we didn't really show up tonight. We didn't compete the way that, that we know we're capable of, the, the way we have in, in most of the games this season. So... Obviously, we're disappointed, and uh, I won't take away credit from Houston. They took it to us from, from the beginning. Of course, 
you know, a mistake there that happens. And I did see a bit of a response from us, right, before the half. Um, and then going into a, a rain delay, 2-1, 30 minutes, about 30 minutes left to play. And certainly there, there's relief and hope in the group. Um, but, but again, you know, flat defensively, not, not defending to our, our uh, capacity in terms of the pressing and defending box. So, you know, we weren't relentless enough either in terms of our attack and getting numbers in the box for the balls in the box. So just, just not a good night for us. Um, and we know we're better than this. And it's about moving forward quickly and, uh, and building uh, and showing the response for our fans and our family on Saturday against a team that is, is a very difficult team to play that, that beat us at their place. And now we want to, Show a response in, in multiple uh, in multiple ways on Saturday. We have the capacity to do that. Hi, Lucci. Uh, thanks for, for joining us tonight. Hope you all are staying safe and uh, to the extent you can, staying dry uh, out there. I, I'm wondering, you know, going into the, the rain delay, can you can you walk us through what that was like? Um, you know, when you knew the game was going to be restarted, and and what the game plan that that you had for those you know, the last half and, uh, you know, 30 minutes was, um, because, it, you know, it seemed like an opportunity to, you know, uh, increase the pressure uh, on Houston and try to get the, the second goal, uh, but that didn't come to, to fruition. So, so why do you think that, you know, the last 30 minutes came out the way they did? Yeah, we certainly felt we had an opportunity, like a second chance um, going into the, the, the last 30 minutes after the delay. You know, the energy of the boys was good. The locker, they were patient. Um, and we were almost treating it like a second leg, you know, we call it like what's going the second leg. And, um, uh, but it didn't happen, you know, and, and look, we could talk about how we try to have Buddha, uh, J-Bo, Christian press against their three, Mito, uh, Jutson, Jackson reference in the midfield and, you know, take away, you know, I thought we did that well about the first three, four possessions they had in the, in the extra 30 minutes, in those 30 minutes. But then, but then we, we, we gave the ball right back. We just weren't, our quality wasn't high with the ball, not just with the body. Yeah, and, uh, and it showed, it was, again, I think we could have had a perfect tactic or a non-perfect tactic tonight. It wasn't, it wasn't a night for us in terms of how we compete, how we win duels, and, and how we uh, attack with creativity and confidence. It just it wasn't our night. You know, with full credit to Houston, when it was fully there, fully there, they were clinical. They were aggressive. And, and, and this is not about the heat. The heat was not a factor tonight. You know, this is not about the heat. It's just, it just wasn't right. we got to accept that. And we got to go forward quickly because we have a, we have a very difficult and challenging game. Against a team we definitely want to play on Saturday. Thank you, everyone. Just wrap this post game. Good night, guys. Okay, um, so as I'm saying in the chat right now, if anyone is going to be giving anyone else trouble tonight, it's just a loss, people, chill. Um, we're not going to, to, to allow that kind of attacking of people in the chat. So I've already banned one person tonight and I'm in a great mood to start banning more people. So don't test me, okay. Damon, Alex. what happened in the the thirty seconds I was no, gone? we got people we got people attacking people for where they go to college and you know other personal comments and we're not going to stand for it. That's not what this show is about. Let's, let's, it's about a community. It's about a community. It's one loss. It's a bad game. Bad games happen to every team. 
Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about what has to get fixed by by Saturday. But clearly, Lucha Gonzalez did not think that that they came out with the, the kind of passion and heart that he expected from them tonight. That was that was the shortest Lucha Gonzalez press conference we've ever had. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. But but I also think that that was one of the most brutally honest Lucci Gonzalez press conferences that, that we've ever had. I think fans over the last few weeks have maybe gotten used to, to hearing some of the same platitudes from Lucha Gonzalez, some of the same, you know, talking points about the process and, you know, the fact that he, he found positives to take away from, from some of these games, even if they were, you know, getting poor results or, or getting outperformed, but he didn't, he didn't hold any shots tonight. He, 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 he was pretty brutally honest in his assessment that that was not a good enough performance from, from the earthquakes. I, I don't think we've, we've seen him come out and, and say anything like that before. I, I, the quote that I grabbed was, you know, we didn't show up tonight. We didn't compete in the way we have in the rest of the games this season. I think he directly questioned the, you know, the, the intensity and the desire that the team showed tonight, you know, in the press, in the attack, in the way they executed the, the game plan. I mean, it seemed like he threw up his hands and said, he, he literally said, and I quote, it didn't matter what tactics we tried tonight. It was not our night. It was not going to work. That's, that's a pretty harsh assessment of the players, Jamin, but, but I'm guessing you're not surprised based on the way you said no, it. No, I mean, I, I said it was the players. I said it was an execution issue. And, uh, you know, and by the way, uh, we have asked. So, you know, and, and, and Crystal's saying here, we have asked, Lucci and Alex, I'm sure will be happy to give you, you know, the feedback that uh, that we were able to get. But you know, unless we're meeting with Chris Leach, we're not going to get clear answers on this. So look, I know everyone wants signings. I completely understand it. Um, I don't think signings is the trouble tonight. I think you've seen that the team is a little thin in multiple positions, and we've said this from the beginning of the year. We've said that the team is thin at striker. The team is thin at left wing. The team is thin in central midfield. The team is thin at the six. The team is thin, you know, in uh, in center back, you know, uh, losing Nathan. They basically, there's only three players that they trust to play center back right now for this team. And if two of those were gone for some reason or went down with an injury, you know, I don't think that there's anyone that they would, they're ready to, to trust to be able to step in as much as I like play a player like Daniel Muni, I don't think that they think, you know, that, uh, that, that he's ready, you know, to, to start a game, you know, Tanner Beeson started a game in his very first season. Not only did he start a game, he ended up playing several games in his very first season. Was he ready for that first game? Heck no. He got ripped apart in that first game against LAFC. He was at fault for three goals, right? But did it get better? What's changed, Jamin? <laughs> No, no, but but Alex, let's be fair because we there's something called the Tanner Beeson effect going on for a while. When Tanner Beeson played, this team played much better, and when he didn't, they gave up many more goals. Let's also not let's not forget what happened at the start of the season. I think we're sunshine and roses on Jonathan Mensa here, and I like Jonathan Mensa too. But the Quakes were averaging giving up two goals a game on the road for pretty much the first twelve games of the season, the first six, seven road games that Mensa played in, they were giving up two goals a game. That was the average, two goals a game. That's a lot to give up, you know, uh, on, on, the, on the road. It should be more like 1.5. And 
That was with Jonathan Mensa starting. As soon as you start Tanner Beeson, it might, you might be giving up more XG, but you're actually giving up fewer goals until tonight, until tonight. Okay. And the results were there. The Quakes were, had got results with Tanner Beeson starting in their last three road games. I think there's maybe a little bit of a rabbit's foot, a little bit of a lucky charm to it. I completely get it. But tonight, that luck ran out. Okay. David, so, David, you've given up on your argument than... halfway through. You, you gave up no, on no, your no. argument what, what when I'm you swear. admitted that the San Jose Earthquakes have given up significantly more XG ever since Tanner Beeson stepped into the starting lineup. But they were getting results. And, and we've heard Lucci say that, yes, the XG has not been good but we're getting results right now. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, tonight, the luck ran out, right? The XG, you know, went against them. The result went completely against them. But a lot of that was due to the lack of the defensive pressure that we had been seeing in the previous games. That defensive pressure existed in Seattle. That defensive pressure existed in LAFC, and they got bit by a bit, you know, a little bit unlucky ball jump up and, and hit a hand, right? That defensive pressure existed in other road games, the draw that they got a couple weeks ago. That defensive pressure has been existing, but tonight that defensive pressure was not there. That's that's the biggest difference. Across, and I, I think this applies across the field. The defensive pressure was not good in the front line. The defensive pressure was not good in the, the midfield. And the defensive pressure was not good in the back line. And, and that's why I, I kind of disagree, Jamie, with the framing that these were individual errors. San, Sandra, hang on, because Alex. San, they Sandra, weren't errors. Sandra I, need, were I need to warn somebody. problems across the field. I need to warn somebody. Sandra, stop it now, or I will permanently ban you. Stop it right now. Cut it out. I don't want to see any more in the chat tonight. You'll be permanently gone. You've been a good person on this show. I enjoy having you in the chat, but tonight you're out of line, so stop it. Okay, back to you, Alex. Sorry. I had to make that comment. Thank you, Jamie. I, I, I just think that tonight that, that the suggestion that these were individual errors doesn't, doesn't, doesn't you know, really, really conflate with what I saw, which was the fact that, that the earthquakes across the field permanently were... Banned. We're not we're not making the right decisions, and 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 that to me tells me that they were that they were set up poorly. They they weren't set up uh, with the, the 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 right pressure tonight. I think tonight it would have made much more sense just to sit deep from the beginning and and not to try to to press. They the press looked bad because they were overstretched because they were trying to do something that 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 wasn't going to work against this Houston team that we know, Jamin, as you said earlier have only allowed two goals at home. Right. So, look, I'm still kind of upset about the, the stuff going on in the chat over there. Um, you know, kind of uh, almost racist comments there. I'm pretty upset about that. So, you know, look, you know, Tanner Beeson has had good games this season. He's had a couple poor games this season. Um, certainly tonight was, you know, if Lucci needed a wake-up call in terms of, you know, Tanner Beeson's shortcomings, Tonight was the night to get that. Let's see if he thinks that it's a temporary blip and goes back to starting Mensa, or if there's really something unresolvable right now between him and Mensa, we could continue to see Tanner Bisa. People have asked, is there a problem between Lucci and Mensa? We don't know. We don't know. We, he said that he's 100% back, but he's not starting. So there's something that we are not seeing here. There's something the team is not telling us. So, you know, you guys can keep asking it, but the answer is we don't know. I mean, Jamin, I, I hate to speculate, but 
I, I do feel like the, the comment that Luchi Gonzalez made last week uh, saying to us on the Aftershock show that, that uh, Jonathan Mensa is 100% back. He's no longer you know, undergoing any disciplinary punishment. He is available to play. He is on the bench. He was used last week. I think that gives us a little green light to wonder whether there has been a rift between Luchi Gonzalez and, and Jonathan Mensa. Because, because otherwise, I, I, I don't really understand these, these game day uh, decisions. And, uh, you know, and I think that if, if Tanner Beeson continues to be uh, the starting player in that lineup, I would, I'd be baffled. And I, I'd start to ask questions about Jonathan Mensa's future with this team. Because I think Akash is right. Look, Beeson has been a really, really solid servant to the San Jose Earthquakes team. Any comments that are undermining his professionalism, any comments that are undermining his desire, his commitment to this club, are completely off base because we've seen Tanner Beeson game after game throw his body, you know, put his body on the line to make some incredible last ditch saves. We could there could be a whole highlight reel compilation video about Tanner Beeson's last ditch tackles and and blocks. That's that's what he's made for. But you know, the partnership with Rodriguez has not been working. In that that is pretty clear. I think at this point that they don't cover each other and they don't communicate in the way that Jonathan Mensa and Rodriguez very clearly were. And in the back line with Jonathan Mensa and Rodriguez, you felt confident, Jamin, that, uh, that they had it covered, that, that whenever you know, the, the opposition broke in behind, whenever they broke Grezzo, whoever in the midfield was, that they would step up and they would win the ball. They felt composed. You don't <coughs> feel that way about the, the San Jose Earthquakes back line anymore. And, and you know that's in part because Rodriguez, isn't the kind of player. He's not the, the rock back there uh, who would compliment Tanner Beeson. That's, that's, you know, Jonathan Mensah. I think honestly, a Jonathan Mensah Tanner Beeson starting back line would make more sense than a Rodriguez Tanner Beeson back line. You want to answer the question? Do we ever find out what his suspension was about? We did not. Uh, and we have asked, but we have not gotten any, any straight answers from the club. And I, I think a part of this is that we we need to respect their privacy on 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 that matter. You know, it, it, John, Jonathan Mensa, from everything that he's shown, uh, you know, outwardly has been a, a professional player. Uh, and uh, you know, given that there's you know clearly an ongoing situation within the club, I, I think we want to you know respect the, the the club's ability to to, to handle that. Uh, and disciplinarily with whatever they need to do. But now that we know the disciplinary issue is over, now is when I think we need to start asking questions about why Jonathan Mensah is no longer back in the lineup. Could it be that there's a, uh, it was just kind of more of a game by game decision to try to keep both of them fresh and to play one of them tonight and one of them, you know, against St. Louis. I think the answer is yes, that's possible. Um, unfortunately getting only the chance to ask two questions tonight, we didn't really get it a chance to even frame up a type of question that we think Lucci would be able to answer. Normally, if you say like, why are you not playing this guy? Coaches don't tend to react well to those questions. I know people think we should ask it. And Alex is pretty creative sometimes in coming up with ways to ask those questions as he has in the past. I trust him if he, if that's the most important question he wants to ask uh, to figure out a creative way to be able to get an answer since he's very good at that. And I'm a direct guy and I, I'm not uh, creative enough to come up with stuff like that. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, Rodriguez uh, still on loan. Um, the answer is yes. Um, but, you know, I think the very obvious business here is the Quakes can, uh, he, he's not being recalled that we know of. So thereby the Quakes have the option 
already out there to extend the loan. If you go back to the episode, the recording that I did with Colin Etnier, we go through this in a good amount of detail. So I highly recommend, not because I was there, but because Colin's really good at answering these questions, to go back and listen to um, the recording that we did about a week ago, where he talked about the Rodriguez loan, how it applies to the salary cap, and you know that it feels like it should be a no-brainer, uh, given that he's starting every single game this season. Um, and, uh, you know, is, uh, is very key to that, that back line when it is working well, um, uh, you know, for, for the Quakes to be able to, uh, just extend that loan through the season. And then with an option to be able to extend, I, I believe for another year before they have to make a decision about, um, signing him to a permanent deal. Uh, um, and if- we don't know what the amount is on a permanent deal, by the way. If Rodriguez has, has got a little John Stones in him, surely he's worth that contract extension then. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if if the Quakes think that Rodriguez would have value on the market and the deal that's written into the loan in terms of the buyout is attractive, eh, feel free. But we don't know what that money is. Uh, that, that's the one thing that we can say is we can tell you what the loan amount is because the MLSPA publishes the information even for loans. What we cannot tell you is how much the amount is for the buyout clause. Look, Jim, all I know is that I think Rodriguez can be a part of the, the solution in the build-out. You know, we were talking about how the, the build-out feels predictable, how the, the, you know, the opposition are reading these patterns of play. I will say that the few times it feels like the Quakes have been able to change that is when Rodriguez beats the first line of defense, steps into the midfield, and then finds a pass. That completely throws the opposition press out of whack, all off of balance. And I think that's why we're seeing the the comparisons to John Stones here. That's what John Stones was able to do in the Champions League final against Inter Milan. He was able to step forward in a way that's completely unconventional of a center back uh, and and cause problems. And, And that's what we've seen Rodriguez do time in and time out. And, you know, he's been doing that all season. He's been making these ridiculous, ridiculous, you know, risky uh, plays all season. And he hasn't yet given up any catastrophic errors. I mean, his composure on the ball is really ridiculous. He has not had one back pass gone awry. He's not tripped over himself at one point this season. He deserves a lot of credit for his inventiveness and his composure in those tight situations, stepping forward into the middle and and creating chances. Because that's given the Quakes a weapon from center back that they haven't had in a long time, Jamin. I cannot remember the last ball-playing center back the San Jose Earthquakes had that is as strong as Rodriguez in there. We've seen players, you know, center backs who are, you know, willing to take chances. That's Francisco Calvo. We've seen center backs who are, you know, really solid and composed on the ball. I'm thinking of somebody like Clarence Goodson, but we've not seen that, those two qualities in the same player. We've not seen somebody be able to do this so successfully. And and, and that's credit to, to Rodriguez. And I think that's why we need to see a Rodriguez, Jonathan Mensa starting lineup, uh, you know, before we see a, a Mensa, Tanner Beeson lineup. Yeah, there, there is, um, by the way, I kind of, I would be so, somewhat interested in a Mensa Tanner Beeson just to kind of see it. Um, so I hope at some point that they do it. And, and the reason- Damon, the you're going to let your curiosity get the better of you. I, I, I know, I know. But but the reason, there's a reason for this. And the reason is because you get the outside foot, the outside foot, and, you know, you get the, kind of the, the, the two naturals. And if you want Mensa on the field with the left foot, you know, from Tanner Beeson, I think, you know, you have to at least would have to try it and see how it goes. Clearly, they've tried it in practice and it's not gone well because they haven't experimented with it in a game. 
So, um, you know, they might might not be using that unless less an injury forces them to. Uh, we don't know uh, for sure if the option has already been exercised or not. It could have been exercised. So just to point that out, that because we haven't had any sort of update from Chris Leach um, and probably won't ahead of the transfer window. Um, normally, if he doesn't update, it would be after the transfer window. You know, then uh, the, the there's a good chance that we won't know if the loan was exercised, but if he keeps playing at some point, you're just going to kind of know it was exercised because otherwise it would have run out. Um, so uh, let's see. Um, yeah, there's um, a lot of good stuff here. You know, really wish that we had a better understanding of our strength with Nathan before a transfer window. You know, I've seen kind of a, a bit that it's possible that that Nathan could return before the end of the season. But I think the problem is at that point, he you know, is probably going to be playing behind at least two, if not all three of the center backs that we've been seeing. Um, it would be kind of risky probably to run Nathan out if this team is playing for a playoff spot, unless there is a really good reason to do that. Um, and maybe even give him a starter two at Quakes too, uh, just to make sure that he's getting the rust off and that he he looks okay to go um, and doesn't have any any problems with the uh, was ACL, I think it is, Alex, if I remember right. Uh, was it an ACL right, but, and NCL, or was it just ACL? But look, I, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure if it was both, Jamin. But but I I I don't really think it changes what the, the earthquakes have to do. They have three players who can start at center back. I, I don't think you need four. I don't think that's the piece that's going to change San Jose's fortunes this season. I think we've been pretty clear that it's it's another player in the midfield. It's another winger who can you know pick up the slack and and produce some goals because because. You know, I, I'm confident that Lucha Gonzalez can figure out the defensive issues. You know, we've we've seen the Earthquakes be, you know, make make real solid strides defensively this season, and they've still only allowed 24 goals, which is you know right in the middle of the pack. Even after a four goal performance like tonight, they have Danielle back there, uh, who's been phenomenal. It, where they need to improve is is going forward, right, Jamin? Because because they they've only scored 22, and and that's not. Uh, you know, a tally that's going to get them a, a home playoff spot. They're not scoring yeah. at the rate that will secure a home playoff spot. And, 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 and that's pretty clear. And if you look at their, their last few games, you know, one goal this game, zero goals against Portland, zero goals against Colorado, one goal against Seattle, one goal against Dallas. They haven't had enough two goal performances to give me confidence uh, that they can, they can, you know, improve through the, you know, the late summer stretch of this season without, you know, any offensive additions. Yeah, and, and Akash makes a good point here, but, you know, I think Colin also answered the question, you know, in the video, which is the Quakes have set kind of a high bar so far for the type of talent that they've been bringing in. That's why their previous windows have worked out so well is because they've set that high bar. But but the problem is that bar might be too high. They might not be bringing in the journeyman type uh, to provide that level of depth. Um, I don't think Rubio Rubin fits an MLS journeyman. I think he's better than an MLS journeyman. Um, I think, you know, other options in RSL that maybe will fall out of favor due to breaking in, you know, um, uh, 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 Cucho into that situation is, you know, we'll see. But by the way, there's how many other teams in this league now? This team has gotten so big that uh, every other team is also looking for value in MLS journeyman. So, you know, while I think there will be options made available in the transfer market from some teams, 
um, you, it, you know, you have to keep in mind that there are other teams that are taking that are, you know, putting those players out there for, for other reasons. And it's always important to kind of take, take some of that into account. And the, and the player at, at Rail Salt Lake who we'd been excited about, uh, I'm not sure if he's on the market anymore, Jamin. We, we were excited about Diego Luna, former Quakes Academy player, star of the U20 World Cup. He was not getting minutes at Rail Salt Lake earlier this season. But guess what, Jamin? He comes back from the U20 World Cup. He's now a starter in that team. He now Left scored wing, his right? first Major League Soccer goal tonight. Uh, in their victory over St. Uh, Louis. And he's starting on left wing, which is not where we've seen him spend the most time before, usually more uh, central. But he's succeeding, Jamin. If he's getting a starting spot, I cannot imagine that that he'll want to jeopardize that with with a move, especially if there's not an, you know, an obvious starting spot for, for him to have in San Jose. So now the question is, okay, who's the odds would, out there? That's I think why that's I said it would take two million in Gam. Could be Rubio Rabin, uh, could be Anderson Julio. Um, I think it would take a ton of gam to to bring in uh, uh, Diego Luna at this point. But more than likely, they've got their sights set on a move, you know, to Europe, and uh, you know, are hoping that they'll be able to use the World Cup plus uh, giving him some experience in MLS and a goal like tonight. Uh, I'm sure RSL's got their sights set on being able to to move him into Europe. So the, the other team we were keeping track of, Jamin, is Inter Miami, who are also going to have to have a fire sale to, to make room for Messi. Uh, a couple players in their offensive lineup who might need to be moved around. I'm thinking of guys like Stefanelli, uh, like uh, Kermashi. Is that how you say it, Jamin? Is, is Kermashi the right way to pronounce it in there? I'm not, I'm not great because I don't watch a lot of Inter-Miami, so I don't, uh, don't actually quite know how to say it. They've both contributed uh, to their, their going tallies this season. But, you know, I do pity the man who is moved out as Messi is being moved in. I have to imagine that that would be a deflating transfer situation to think you're going to get to play with the one and only Lionel Messi and be a part of that circus and journey and then be moved to the opposite coast, San Jose, uh, and have to watch uh, from 3,000 miles away as Messi takes MLS by storm. So maybe we wouldn't wish that upon any player uh, to be to be moved out to make room for for Messi. Uh, Jamin, I know that we're we're uh, getting close to the hour mark here, and we've been uh, streaming for almost two hours consecutively now. <laughs> I encourage everyone to go back and if you if you need some more entertainment well, you have, you have, tonight you, to watch the watch along that Jamin and I did during the, the rain delay. Yeah, the, the problem is you need to go back to the start of the rain delay and then watch that <laughs> abysmal performance again in order for what we're saying in some situations to make sense. But to be fair, we actually started the watch along back watching like MLS 360 and checking out some of the other games going on in the Western Conference tonight because it looked like the teams at the top of the table were pretty much crapping the bed and uh, teams at the bottom of the table were uh, going to get points off them. And the Western Conference is really, really tight right now, despite the loss tonight. Probably could have expected to go into Houston and get a loss. I know my simulator had it at over 50% to be able to happen. But still, we believe that the magic number for the Earthquakes holds at seven wins to be able to get a home playoff spot. It's possible. It will uh, maybe take one more, depending if the top of the table you know, plays above expectations the rest of the way. 
Jamin, that's that's I think that's the fifth time that you've mentioned the simulator tonight. So I think I, I win I bingo tonight. You win uh, bingo. Uh, quick, 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 quick question here. There's some talk about uh, Nathan. So announce Nathan's contract extension or believe that Nathan is a liability at this point and have another potential big injury down the road. Would you resign Nathan at this point, Alex? I, I, I think you need Fair to question. monitor his progress. I, I, I can't. I don't think you can give anyone a new contract extension in the, the middle of their ACL rehab. I, I don't think that makes sense. I don't think that's what the player would want. I don't think that's what the club would want. So I, I, I think you have to, to wait and see. I'm going to uh, gonna withhold judgment on, on that one until we get more clarity about uh, the future of his, uh, of his injury rehab, Jamin. So, um, you know, full team has enough depth to rotate. Obviously, on a night like tonight, after a loss, people feel like you're several players short. Go out there and win, and everyone's like, we're in good shape. We're just a player short. Um, do you agree that uh, someone, Shofis, would thrive under Lucci? I say no. Shofis would absolutely screw this defense up nine ways to Sunday. They would give up way more goals than he could potentially score. I say no to a player like Shofis. Whoever you bring in from an attacking side has to be able to provide you just a modicum of defense. We saw what happened tonight. Let's be honest. We saw what happened tonight, you know, with the downside of Aniko Shakiris a little bit. Um, yep. Someone who doesn't bring you the type of coverage that a Montero brings, um, you know, and, and what that happens if, if your central midfield doesn't step up. Jamie, so I, I'm do, saying do I want the showpiece in here? The answer is a hundred percent. No. Jamin wants Andy Rios to return. There's the most defensive number 10 that you've ever had on the San Jose Earthquakes team. I do not want Andy Rios to return either. Jamin, I, before we before we start wrapping, I do want to make sure we're plugging. Uh, oh, I'm like way on. behind. There's all kinds of other stuff like going on here. I think well, I'm, well, look, uh, I Jamin, haven't uh, gone forward for a while. I think that the Patreon Slack uh, deserves a shout out tonight because it got me through that hour and a half weather delay. For $2 a month, you can join our Patreon uh, and get access to all the articles produced at Quakes Epicenter by our lovely team, Robert Jonas, Colin Etnayer, uh, Phil Leva. Colin and, and Jamin actually just made a, a video about the salary situation, the roster situation heading into the secondary transfer window opening July 5th. Everyone should go check that out. For $5 a month, you can join the patron Slack channel, and then you'll have something to do during the hour and a half rain delays, and you can uh, come and spend it uh, with all of us in the, uh, the patron Slack. So we appreciate all of our uh, Slack members for, for making tonight uh, bearable and, and want to bring it back around to you, Jamin. Uh, it feels like we've been going on forever tonight, and we could keep going forever, but I want to hear your, your final thoughts tonight, what you're thinking about heading into the, the St. Louis match this weekend. Well, I mean, every game that the Quakes play against teams that are above them in the standings obviously becomes the most important game on the schedule. Um, St. Louis, definitely no different. The Quakes really need to set up to be able to, to take three points. This is not the same St. Louis team that they faced earlier in the season. They're going to be down a number of weapons due to injury. Uh, tonight, they went on the road and lost to RSL uh, 3-1. Um, uh, sorry. No, they, they lost at home to RSL 3-1. Mm -hmm. So a home loss tonight from St. Louis City. So it's definitely not the same team. In fact, we watched the, the end of that game, and a number of us noted how you know dejected their players looked. They are a team that is not playing with the level of confidence they had earlier in the season, and they lack some of the weapons as well. Their goalkeeper, Berkey, 
uh, kind of like Daniel came just flying out of the gates, uh, saving everything, but um, had a tough night tonight, has, has not played as well recently as well, um, and is starting to trend down. Um, and, you know, we, we'll see. I think that's going to be an extremely important game. If the Quakes can find a way to get three points against St. Louis, then, you know, the hopes of uh, getting a home playoff spot are, are much stronger. Um, you know, anything less than that. And, you know, it damages a bit because if you don't get points against the teams above you, that means you got to get pretty much all the teams against the, 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 the points against the teams below you. And, and it's pretty amazing, Jamin. St. Louis, regardless of their start, they're only two points above the San Jose Earthquakes in the Western Conference table tonight. That's right. Uh, and uh, the Earthquakes have the opportunity still are. to leapfrog them in the standings. Still are. Uh, yeah, still leapfrog two points. them in the standings with a victory uh, this weekend. So so this is a big opportunity for the, the San Jose Earthquakes. As you say, St. Louis, their last four matches, 3-1 loss against Real Salt Lake tonight, 3-1 loss against Nashville, 1-1 draw with the Galaxy, 2-0 loss to FC Dallas, Jamie. They haven't won in four games. This should be a match that San Jose expect to win. They need to put that uh, 3-1 victory, uh, 3-1 defeat uh, in St. Louis behind them in the rearview mirror. And they need to come out with a lot more confidence, a lot more intensity uh, than they did tonight. They need to put St. Louis on the back foot uh, and they need to figure out this press because tonight it was not working. Uh, this team, the midfield collapsed defensively and they weren't able to get anything going forward. And, and we heard Luchi Gonzalez, I think, uh, more pissed off, more fired up than we've seen him, you know, at any point in this season. And I know there have been some some folks on uh, in the comments on this show, you know, who's questioning his lack of intensity, his lack of of fire in these post match press conferences. I think you got that tonight. We didn't get to see him. We didn't get to see Lucia Gonzalez's angry grimace tonight. Uh, it was only uh, only uh, audio due to the uh, the weather uh, issues that they're having, the storm that they're having in Houston, but you could hear it in his voice, Jamin. Uh, he was not happy with uh, tonight's performance. And uh, I think this is fair to say, this is, you know, one of their, their worst performances this season up there with the, the, uh, the loss that they had to St. Louis. Uh, w- one of those games that, uh, you know, on all fronts, uh, they're not stepping up to the plate. So with that said, uh, we look forward to getting a clean slate again, on Saturday, and uh, it, it's one of those one of those games, Jamin, where I think the team is going to be happy that there's a quick turnaround, and they're not going to want to have to uh, to mull too long uh, over this one. And so we hope to see everyone there again uh, on Saturday night. Uh, I will be there at the stadium with Robert Jonas with our amazing Quakes Epicenter crew. We will be joining you live from PayPal Park, uh, and hope to see everyone there. And thanks for sticking through. Uh, this what is this uh, now going on six hour saga with us tonight so uh, i appreciate everyone for for sticking around and uh, signing off for now robert sends his regrets by the way internet troubles tonight uh but uh caught up in the storm you caught up in the storm apparently it hit hit robert's house as well have a good night everyone thanks for joining the aftershock